Welcome to Sealed, a Bible study podcast. I'm Tyler Seal. And I'm Shiloh Seal. And right now, we're taking a look at the hard road of Paul the Apostle. And part of our focus last time was kind of setting up for you know, some of the things that Paul suffered for Christ's sake. And I'm not sure really how else to say what what started this line of thought was just my wife and I talking about, you know, the way Christians operate, how they should operate. And when we face struggles, how we should absorb those those hits. So and that, not not to say like, oh, this is in everyone else, like ourselves. Like we were evaluating, we were doing self-reflection, self-evaluation, and just when hardships come, you know, what am I, how am I letting that bring the Lord glory? And And how am I not? Also just to recognize that even those hard things that catch us by surprise are no surprise to the Lord. And he can still use those to grow you, to Mm -hmm. strengthen you. And to be a witness to others who may be suffering around you. So I think we'll start after a quick prayer in Second Corinthians chapter 11. And I'll probably start in verse 24. Would you like to pray us in? Yeah. Lord, thank you for this time. God, I pray that you would send your spirit to fill each one of us, God, to fill each one of the listeners. And just to um, prepare our hearts for your word today. We thank you so much um, that your presence is with us, God, and that um, we can confidently seek after you and you will be found, Lord. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll be starting in verse 24. And this is when Paul is discussing with them, you know, some of the things he's accomplished and some of the things that he's struggled through really is a way to keep them from boasting in their deeds or their hardships and to to let them know that this hasn't been some money-laced walk in the park this has cost him greatly and that's it's almost a way to prove to people that he he meant what he said and he wasn't doing this for his own gain He was doing this no matter the cost. So in 24, it says, Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. So that's 39 lashes. That's as much as a Jewish Jewish man was allowed to be whipped by fellow Jews. You know, for any, any crime they deemed fitting, 39 lashes was what they gave you, which is no joke. 25 says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Jeez. That's that's a wild one. That's brutal. Most people, you know, Die. you receive a stoning, that's death. And there is a, there's a lot of Christians who argue, you know, from pretty strong basis that Paul actually did die from that stoning. But the Lord brought him back because his work wasn't done. Bible doesn't say that, so it'd be hard for us to. 
well, say one way or another. So the reason they say that is because after this section, the very next section talks about some of the revelations that he's seen. And he goes into when he was caught up into glory and he's seen the third heaven. He's seen mm -hmm. where Jesus and God are. And so church history, one of the old stories, it is extra biblical. But from the root of Christianity, it was always taught that he went up to the heavens after that stoning. And in the book of Acts, it talks about that stoning where they left because they thought he was dead. You know, it's not something you typically do mm -hmm. halfway. And then he got up and he marched to the next town and he preached on. Then it says, three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people. Dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and without clothing. Not to mention other things. There is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. So that entire section, a lot of those things, like I said, you can go through the book of Acts and go on these adventures with Paul. The beatings, the, the whippings, the shipwrecks. And being shipwrecked back then, you know, there was no Coast Guard coming for you. If you couldn't swim to an island or swim back to land, you were just shark bait, you know, and... It's a very, it's a very dangerous place today with helicopter rescue and our wonderful Coast Guard who will operate to save you. But, you know, back then, if you didn't find an island, you were doomed. And sometimes the island you found was full of cannibals. So it's not necessarily the end of the road either. All of these things, I think it's important to to skip ahead a little bit to like chapter 12, verse 10. And these are, these are the type of verses that Paul adds in a lot when he, in the very rare circumstances that he levels with you and shows you the hardships he's going through, he makes sure and throws in a verse like this. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. It's a good reminder that there will be struggles. Following Jesus, and I mean really following him, leaning into your Bible, leaning into your prayer time, and giving him your yes when he clearly tells you what your mission is. He will be with you, but there may be sufferings. There may be hardships. And those are things you have to just understand and be ready for because it does come in the Christian life and ministry. Not everybody's going to agree with you. And I think we're starting to see, even here in America, you can get to a point where you'll be under full-blown attack just for sharing the gospel. And in James 1, 
Verse 2, James says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That's the type of way that God uses your struggles and trials to make you better. But I've also seen from personal experience, the way you handle those hard seasons, oftentimes there's young Christians around you or struggling Christians around you who without ever saying a word, just they witness the way you smile even in the hardship, the way you continue to minister even in the hardship and it ministers to them. It awakens something in them that helps them grow. And it's not always easy to explain a specific tragedy. You know, when somebody suffers something horrendous, these are verses you could turn to, but they're not, they're not generally helpful. You know, when somebody loses a loved one saying, well, consider it all joy, just doesn't quite cut it. But in general, this is a principle that is true. Those things will produce strength and endurance and mold your character into Christ-likeness. And you can read all through the Gospels and see Christ suffered as well. Yeah, I don't know if you could say that to someone in the circumstance, but God can reveal that to yeah. someone in the circumstance. And in that, there's so much um, healing and beauty that can be found in that place in an extreme um, circumstance. Yeah, there's certain situations you just got to allow the Lord to minister in. And, and sometimes it's, I think that's hard. Sometimes people, I think we look for someone, like we'll go on a search for someone to minister to us. I need someone to, to counsel me in this. I need someone to minister to me through this. I need something. And like, it's kind of like the Israelites. We want a king. We want a king. And God's like, okay, I guess I'll just send somebody because, because I wasn't good enough for you. Like, yeah, I was your king, but, but, but he right. would like, as we press in and I'm not saying it's easy in suffering to press into him, but it should get easier for us because he truly does minister and he, gosh, he, he's so good at it. It's so natural for him. And also there's this, as a minister, as somebody who wants to see the church stronger and made whole, I recognize there's also the problem that sometimes we try to minister to a situation too soon. Mm. And, you know, some of us are fixers. We like to fix things. We see somebody brokenhearted. We, we try to say the right thing. We try to come around and we try to give them a hug and like, I know in the book of Job, you know, you see his friends and they get this bad rap of just, they say all the wrong things and they really do. Job had great friends. I mean, they, look, they did do some wrong things, but they did better than me. They sat there for seven days and just, and that's, that's the point that I wanted to make is like those first seven days, they were great friends. They just sat in silence and let the guy weep, let him mourn, let him, let him kind of just lay out all of the wounds that had been recently mm-hmm. inflicted on him. And if you haven't read the book of Job, I mean, from start to finish, it's an amazing story. And it kind of brings up another point that sometimes, you know, sometimes the suffering isn't about you. 
Sometimes it's just in the spirit. There's a battle, there's a war going on, and you become the battleground. Mm-hmm. And that's not fun, and that's not fair, but that's the way it is, you know? But even to speak to that, what kind of battleground are you going to be? Exactly. I mean, the goal was we have choices as to Christians. never curse God and step away from him. And Job did that. He kept leaning into him. He cursed his own birth. I mean, he certainly didn't didn't wish that upon himself or want to be in that. And Job never got to read chapter one of the book of Job. You know, he didn't understand that sometimes in the courtroom of heaven, God and Satan, they converse about you. They have a discussion about how loyal you are, or are you loyal at all? Or are you only loyal to God because of all the blessings? And, you know, Satan is a liar and he's an adversary, but he's not wrong. No, you know, that, think... those were all legitimate questions to ask. Otherwise, the Lord wouldn't have let him. He wouldn't have spent the time. He wouldn't have put Job in Satan's hand if it wasn't something worth discovering and i think you touched on something there too with like we can oftentimes as christians think like we're just like we're so much above the enemy and i'm not saying we're not because hello we are children of god right we are joint heirs with jesus we are but it's important to know our adversary and know that he is scheming constantly he's the accuser of the brethren you were just talking about him being um, in the courtroom with the Lord. And, and I, all I can think is like the, the picture of that kind of blows your mind. Like chapter one of Job kind of blows your mind that, that he would even converse with him, right? Yeah. That the two would converse, but it's important for us to know that those conversations take place. And like we said before, you know, what kind of battleground are we going to be? What, what, tactics in this war are we going to use and do we know our authority do we because his biggest i feel like in this day his biggest advantage is that christians don't even know their authority yeah so you can kind of like he can kind of just stomp through i i know we were in a circumstance recently and it was like with a lot of christian people and you could literally just see satan working across all these people's lives and it it was like everybody was they were there was all this um tension and quarrel between these different people and it was like hey hold on a minute we're all children of god here like we need to shut this down like it he's coming at your mind he's making you feel this this and this and we need to start praying against this right now. We need to cut off the spirit of fence, cut off the spirit of gossip, cut off, you know, and it starts in our mind. And it's like Paul said, um, that renewing of our mind. And so easy. We just like kind of like we don't even see that he's attacking full force. And we just kind of roll over and roll into it. And next thing you know, we're victims and people are out. For, and it's like, whoa, hold on. The devil is coming. He knows what works. And he's using exactly what works on you. And it goes all the way back to the serpent in the garden. You know, Satanism and Satan's biggest attack is always to try to get your focus off of God Mm -hmm. and not necessarily to get you to focus on him. Mm 
more often it's to get you to focus on yourself. Mm -hmm. And so with Adam and Eve, it was, well, you could be like God if you just eat this fruit. And what it really was, was having sin revealed to you through experiencing it, through the disobedience of eating that fruit, they experienced sin and shame for the first time. But Satan's tactic is often the very same thing in our lives. It's to get us to take our eyes off God and to focus on ourselves, not him, not some outright Satanist, you know, ceremony. It's it's the root of Satanism. It's selfishness. It's self-centeredness. It's focusing on you. And that's one of the reasons we've kind of veered away for a time. We don't want to spend too much time just focusing on our sufferings or your sufferings or our identity or your identity. Primarily, what the Bible should be speaking to you is of the nature of God Mm -hmm. and of the nature of Jesus of the nature of Holy Spirit. And when you start to catch that, then you're better able to understand how you should function as a minister of the gospel in this world. How does it impact the world today? Mm -hmm. And then last and less, the importance of what does each verse speak to you personally? That is definitely important questions. Your identity is important. And Your sufferings are important, but it's not the primary goal and it's not the primary thing. And if you spend too much time focusing on that, you miss so much. And I'll tell you one of the things that helps deal with real struggles, like when you're really in it, is taking your focus off yourself and just leaning in to helping someone, leaning in to God's word, leaning into your prayer life. Mm And it may at first feel like you're just attempting to distract yourself from something awful. But what it really turns out is God is ministering to you in those moments through that. Mm -hmm. And God reveals his face to you in a way you've never seen by coming alongside you. And he knows your pain. The Bible's very clear that Jesus, through his sufferings, he is one with us when we're struggling. He's one with us in our suffering. He knows The things you're going through are hard and unfair. And he went through it too. And what would we expect? Would we expect that Satan would attack him and then not us? Right. You should worry. You should question if you're on the right path still. If you never have any sufferings. If you never have any struggles. If it feels like this is all a little wild and you can't relate because Satan's never attacked you. Well, that's because a house divided against itself won't stand. And you're in his house. Mm. That's dangerous. I I really genuinely hoped when I became a Christian that the hard road was over. Because I had had a really rough road. And it turned out, you know, a lot of things got better. (laughs) But the road was not like just a smooth, paved, and easy sailing slightly downhill, picking up speed. No, there's some bumps. There's some battering. There's some buffeting. There's some things. There's some shipwrecks. There's some Mm -hmm. stuff that goes on. And there's times where you recognize you've stranded yourself in a corner and you've got to repent and turn and get back on the right path. And that's just the Christian walk. Just because the Holy Spirit 
dwells in you does not mean Satan will not attack you. That doesn't mean the spiritual war is over. Really, it's just you've, you know, you get baptized and you've suddenly chosen a side in this war publicly. And Satan sees your baptism too. It's yeah. not just your grandma and it's not just the people in your church. It's the whole spirit world yeah. is watching. Yeah. Angels are rejoicing. Demons are plotting. God is rejoicing and smiling upon you and sending his Holy Spirit to fill you. And sure enough, Satan is planning his next move. Yeah. I think of Hunter's, uh, our oldest son's, you know, words to that were um, about baptism. After he had professed Christ and had his conversion about maybe a year and a half or two years later, he ended up getting baptized. It could have even been longer than that. But um, he said, are, the pastor said, are you, you know, what does it mean to you? And he said, it means I'm ready to put a target on my back. Yeah. And that was just so profound to me. It was such a beautiful illustration. Like I have a visual picture of the day my son got baptized and him coming up out of the water. And I have an actual photograph of it, but I am like, I, I can see it's like you come up out of that water with a new, like, like, um, almost like a breastplate, you know, or something and like a target right there for you, you know, the whole world to see. Yeah. Something and, shifts in the spirit. And I think a lot of us have experienced those, those arrows that suddenly hit marks a little more, or there's just more coming at you. And we used to, there were some, there were some seasons, I'll tell you. Early <laughs> in our walk, there were some seasons, but I remember it felt like maybe two and a half straight years where it was like one thing after another. And I remember, um, the Lord really ministered to me with his word about walking on the storm, on the storm. And, um, and I remember like feeling like we just got to hold on. We're just like, we're on the boat and we just got to hold on because it was like just two plus years of just a storm, a constant storm. Yeah. And if it wasn't one thing, it was another. And it was, it was specific to things that target your faith. Like the, the, um, the conflict at the school where the person who was uh, against Christianity and here, you know, that came against our children and, and it was like, okay, mama bear in the flesh is going to stomp into that classroom and destroy her. Put a hurting on somebody. Right. <laughs> like, okay, I'm a new woman in Christ. Oh my gosh. So like, how do I, and you want to be a good example to your children. Cause now we are different. Like you can't just stomp in there. Like they might have, that might've come easy. You know, that might've been something they might've even been used to is seeing us react that way. And. Oh, it definitely was. And so now it's like, okay, I, have, I actually am a new creation. It's not just words. It's not just a verse in the Bible. Like these are those moments where that's tested. Like, are you really a new creation? Yeah. And it was a test on both ends, you know, because I wasn't sure exactly how to handle something like this. I mean, it was this specific situation. It was a teacher who was not a Christian, which is fine. 
but she was anti-Christian and we were in the public school system and I'm working at the school as a custodian and I have five or six children at the time in this school. And it's, you know, a small country school. Like that was like 10% of the school's population. It was a lot, but there was multi-grades in this one class. And so three of my children were under this teacher's tutelage and it was just a brutal time of it. You know, not, Lord, not just man. like a fair teaching of things. It was literally everything you can do to press an uninspired, uneducated rendition of, you know, evolution and In all of these things that I don't mind oh. my kids hearing these things, especially if it's from somebody who's going to teach it well, but a lot of what you see in the school system is just this hashed out, ha mashed up, hashed up, you know, trying to press confusion on your kids. From what? inside the school system, what I was able to discern was they're trying to unteach a lot of what we have all been taught. And the goal seemed to me, I mean, even things that were settled, like genuinely settled, like math, they would teach it in a common core form. So even when my kids come to do their homework, I'm like, yeah, I know how to do this math. I'll show you how it's done right here. This is how you do long division. They're like, no, 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 no. That's not how we do it. We have to round up and then we have to guess. And then we have to round back down and we have to find the answer this way. And it's like, yeah, but I, I could show you how to find the exact answer very mm -hmm. quickly. And they're like, yeah, but we have to show our work this way. We're, we're learning units and we're learning rounding and we're learning all these things. And, and I get it. You got to, learn a, a bunch of different tools to have in your toolbox. But what I noticed was that was the very first time my children had ever said, you're wrong, pop. This is how you do it. And I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. Spiritual. They're just trying to separate us from our children mm -hmm. and make our children look at us like, like maybe we're fools. And it was very directed. All of that is aside from the point of, you know, this teacher, she really felt attacked by my children's faith because they would pray before tests and then they would ace those tests and they would you know work really hard on being good christian examples in their classroom and and their boys their kids you know they had their struggles too but they were excellent students and it just started to really grind at her and well it's i think about that time and i think of how challenging it was for us but then you're like like again you want to move in the flesh but you're a new creation in the spirit and and you have to factor in as much as i don't like this person coming against my children like that's fleshly that's a fleshly response god loves her and he has a plan for her and as the story unfolds not that year but later or maybe it was that year. I don't know. She came to you for prayer about something or her family yeah. came to you for prayer about something. And it was like, because wow, we decided God. prayer was going to be our solution. Mm -hmm. And as young Christians, that was, that was alien to us. We were new to the whole pray through the battle thing, but we decided oh. as a family, every morning we were going to put on our spiritual armor yeah, and, we, and did. we were going to yeah, we did. strap up and we were going to go there and we were mm -hmm. going to pray for our enemies and pray for our friends. And, and in the back of my mind as a father, I'm thinking, well, I guess I'll see if all this stuff is true. Mm -hmm. I'll see if this really works. And it does. And it yeah, did. And God got the victory in all of that in the end. And it didn't require any meanness. And it didn't require any lawsuits. And it didn't require any 
bitterness. It just required faith that God's timing is perfect and all things are going to work together. Yeah, and and truly be still and know and God will fight for you. Yeah. Like it really was a season of learning that and experiencing that. And that's Exodus what I love. 14, 14 I love about the God's verse word. we leaned in on. <laughs> yeah, I can remember, um, you know, as a new Christian reading through the Bible and just like so many verses, you know, oh, that's a good verse. Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've seen that on a shirt, things like that. But when God makes a verse apply, like it becomes an anthem of a season in your life and you're just clinging to God has given me this verse and this is the verse that I'm sticking to and I'm just going to keep clinging to it because it's God like he sent this for me it really gives you a different type of confidence to overcome the different sufferings and challenges that you go through yeah and I, I suppose we'll wrap it up by encouraging you to to study the life of Paul, the good times and the bad times, because he's a really wonderful example of one of the early Christians who just didn't let trials break him. And he recognized that oftentimes when you seek the mission field and then you find a struggle and a suffering, that is the mission. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, right now, we just pray that you would help us to suffer well, to understand that you're with us in all things, yeah. that you're growing us, that you're transforming us, you're renewing our minds. And, Lord, we just pray that we would have the faith and the boldness to stand by your side and put our armor on and face what comes in Jesus' name.